Hello and welcome to Behind the Lines, an Inktober podcast. This show is by creatives for creatives everywhere. Each week we will dive into the stories and lives of the artists behind the lines that make up our favorite works of art. Wouter Tolp is an accomplished artist from the Netherlands. I had the pleasure to sit down with him and get his take on success, creativity, and how to overcome the feelings of inadequacy that we all encounter. His sage advice had an impact on me, and I'm sure he will be a great influence on you as well. Enjoy. So joining us today is Wouter Tolp from the Netherlands. He's an accomplished artist, both in illustrating children's books, as well as being a character designer for large films that you may or may not have seen. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, having me. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. In simplest terms, how would you describe your work and what you're most known for? Uh, I am a character designer for feature animation. So uh, I am asked for the development of, of a character in a, in a movie. Um, and so this is not, uh, when I say this, often people think that uh, I get a, a script and I do a design for a character and that's it. But in reality, it's much more working with the director, working with a team uh, of artists, developing the story, developing what this character could be. And this is a, a process that can take uh, months sometimes. What characters might we be familiar with that you've worked with or worked on? There is this movie called The Star, um, where I did a lot of character designs. And uh, coming out this December is a movie called Rumble. Um, and I, I worked on the characters for that movie as well. If you want to check out a little bit more of Wilder's uh, work, his Instagram is Wilder Tulp. So super simple it's his name and it'll be linked below uh, but your caricatures and your character designs are so fun and so unique especially your caricatures where did that idea to use paints instead of the characters that we caricatures that we see where it's usually ink it's somebody just did it on the beach yours in contrast look like almost professional portraits with blown out proportions. Where did that idea come from? Well, I have to go back to uh, to my childhood, where it, where it really came from, I think. Um, my dad, uh, he is an artist, but at the time he was working at an office. And at a certain point he was doing caricatures of his coworkers. After hours, when he came home, he would just grab paper and pencils and start doing these caricatures. And I was blown away by this because uh, they looked so, so good. These were so amazing. And uh, especially because he was using pencil and paper. Those were the same drawing materials I would use. But he would, he managed to create these, these portraits, these caricatures of these people where the hair looked greasy and, and wet and the, uh, the glasses that he drew looked like it was actually made of glass and I, I was just blown away and so uh, I would ask him to teach me how he did this and he would, uh, well, and, and uh, he, he would always uh, explain things. He was always drawing and painting so uh, this was a thing that uh, was common you know we would go out and, and paint out of doors even from when I was uh, very small and and I I was really always excited about drawing so um, I think you know it was part of him uh, being excited about drawing wanting to do that and also me uh, latching on to to uh, to him when he would go out and 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 ask about him because I was eager to learn and he would teach me uh, cross hatching or oil painting techniques or all kinds of stuff and so with that specifically he would I remember him teaching me how to draw wrinkles and, and you know using uh, cross hatching to to create this this bend in the skin. Uh, to create that that edge where where you see the shadow and the other edge where the light hits the surface so that would be much brighter and suddenly I would have created this this wrinkle and and so those were little tips that he would give me but I also remember sitting across the table from him and uh, and we would draw each other's portrait and he, you know he could 
draw is he can still draw phenomenally <laughs> he can draw very well <laughs> phenomenally <laughs> phenomenally that's it uh and and i you know i was 10 years old i think and so i looked at my drawing and then i looked at his and i would just cry you know this isn't working i can't do this and uh, i think you know uh, you have to go through that in order to to get better to you know to see that you're you're still not able to achieve something and you have to keep working on it so um but that is where uh, it, you know, for me, it was natural to see caricatures uh, at a young age. I also remember he had this book uh, by David Levine, Levine, I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, these were amazing caricatures. And uh, he would, uh, David Levine would, would draw uh, caricatures for newspapers. Those were ink drawings. But in that book was also a section with his uh, his personal art and those were mostly watercolors and and it was the kind of in between caricature and portrait it it was painted as if it was a, a serious portrait like art but it had the, the, the distortion of a caricature but at the same time it wasn't distorted to to be funny you know it, it wasn't like you would look at this guy with the big nose and and let's have a laugh no this was distortion in order to bring out something specific about this personality but so done in a very subtle way and that was something that i i've loved ever since it uh, i think uh, you know it may even be the biggest influence on on my art uh seeing that book at, at such a young age and that is literally uh what you what you described uh about my caricatures that's that that sweet spot of uh distortion uh using distortion as a tool to to express yourself more than uh literally copying what you see i love that do you when you see people can you just not help but see them as a caricature uh, uh, well, especially uh, if there, you know, if, uh, in a period where I've drawn a lot of caricatures, then I'll, I'll just start seeing distorted faces <laughs> all around me. Uh, uh, but I, I generally uh, see shapes when I when I look around. Which of your caricatures that you've done that's on your Instagram? Which ones? What are your top three favorites that come to mind? actually caricatures that I did I think still ones that I did uh, at the beginning of my career are still my favorites uh, it's uh, Marilyn Monroe Madonna the Beatles uh, I did uh, uh, Charlie uh, Charlie Parker uh, whole band caricature um, I still like those at that point I was uh, really doing caricatures and that kind of evolved to uh, the things I'm doing now, which is is less specifically a portrait, but more uh, using that same approach of uh, distorting things, or or maybe even, um, you know, when when you uh, when you stand in front of a dark wall and you have a bright light shining on you, then one part of your body will be in shadows, and you know, in some instances, you can't see the difference between the part that is shadow and the background. And so what you see, you know, if I look at that, I, I have no question that that part that is in shadows is still, you know, is still there. <laughs> so, but I don't even have to see it in order to, to know that. And uh, the paintings I'm doing now have to do more with that you know I can leave stuff out I can distort things I can draw things with a line but I can also paint it as if it has volumes and you know there is so, there's an endless amount of possibilities in how I can uh, portray the world around me and make it my own and so it caricature has has that but I, I like to uh, take that uh, much broader and and look at the world in a, in a way that uh, maybe is a, is a more personal way of of looking, uh, finding my own relationship with reality. I guess is what I'm looking for. Seeing it 
in your way and your creativity must be inspiring after growing up with such a creative father who's teaching you who's helping you making you cry because you weren't <laughs> as good as him yes <laughs> you you decided to go to college for art um what school did you go to um i went to uh, willem de koning academy it's in rotterdam uh, art academy um, and to be honest i um how shall i say this i was more ambitious than what they offered me there um, mm. uh, and I don't want to uh, to speak too negatively about that school but I went to art school because I uh, expected to learn perspective to learn color theory to learn uh, you know drawing techniques all of that and I I maybe had one teacher who, who taught me a little bit about lighting but n I never had one uh, lesson in drawing perspective uh, and caricatures were banned and uh, oh, I, no. I, I, uh, the word Disney was was not allowed so uh, uh, you know it I had a lot of fun in those years but uh, it had a lot to do with the people who were also in that school and and just the time I had to to develop my art um, so when I when I left art school I felt like uh, I had a lot of catching up to do so I uh, well first of all I wanted to make a living uh, doing art so I took on a any job that I could and in the Netherlands uh, which is a very small country and at the time uh, internet wasn't what it was now so uh, I was uh, more restricted to to the boundaries of, of the the physical country so I traveled the country with a big portfolio and I just showed my work everywhere and uh, I would draw you know for commercials or children's books or editorial work anything that uh, could help me just make a living uh, I, I took on uh, no, and any job that I could to make a living, but also within each project that I did, uh, I set a challenge for myself. So the first children's book I did, for example, uh, I couldn't use outlines, and I could only use gouache paint, and I couldn't use gradients, and just to uh, see what what that did to the to a style and you know those boundaries helped me to to get creative with the within the limitations and it became a, a book that is really graphical and it, I think when you look at it now uh, people would use illustrator to to do a style like that but I didn't have that at the time so I I painted all that uh, but actually you know drawing by hand teaches you a lot of things because there are no shortcuts so uh, but those were the, the kinds of uh, challenges I set for myself to improve my art and um, and I actually still do that because I, I think the feeling of learning is something that I really like so I, I always look for uh, something that I can learn so you travel around the Netherlands, you're sharing your portfolio, you land a few gigs, um, and your professional career begins. Was it just children's books that you were working on in the beginning, or what other projects were you also getting paid for? I had an agent, and because my style was so diverse, uh, they couldn't really sell my work to clients uh, so uh, I would separate my children's books work in a, in a portfolio and do editorial work in another portfolio and caricatures in another one so it looked like they were all different artists because they all that variety could confuse a client but what happened also was that I got the the projects that they didn't have a an artist for and those were often the fun projects you know uh, to paint backgrounds for a for an animated commercial or, uh, or to do a, a painting of uh, of Donald Duck for for a uh, for a special about uh, Vincent van Gogh in in that style a, a lot of uh, things that had to be painted because I I uh, 
painted traditionally so that was something that I, I also did a lot but in mainly I did uh, children's books and editorial work so so illustrations for magazines or educa uh, educational uh, books uh, I illustrated a lot for um, those were those were in the beginning the projects I did mostly what did you learn about yourself and the creative process as you diversified a lot of your different skills it sounds like being a, a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to art really changed who you how, how you went about your work what more did you learn Actually, recently I heard some someone say that there are two types of of creative persons. One uh, would be uh, the the planner, so someone who, who thinks of a concept uh, and comes up with all the ideas what it should be like, and then builds it. And then there is the explorer, who is someone who who just starts and sees something happening and and you know expands on that and and lets it grow and and suddenly you know something emerges from chaos basically and i thought when i heard that 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 was nonsense that it's a strict division like that because i you know i, I use both methods basically but then after thinking about it again i thought maybe i'm the explorer more than than the planner because every time I try to to think of a project uh, uh, I get stuck and every time I just you know take a reference for example and start painting and let something evolve from there I'm, I'm much happier and I think uh, for example children's books is something that uh, always was very challenging for me because well, I, I, not at the beginning, you know, I loved the the beginning part. Uh, for example, um, I did this book uh, and the story uh, was written by a, a, a great writer called Chibbe Veldkamp. He did a story uh, called uh, Hand and it was about a, a little girl holding the hand of her father and the the father was on his phone and wasn't paying attention and she wanted to go to the zoo and he wasn't even listening and then she saw another father with with their with their kid and they they switched and the fathers didn't notice and so uh, and then she wanted to go somewhere else and she switched again and and you know the whole book she keeps uh, going her own way by by switching hands of her father it was a, a great idea and then when I uh, got that story I was thinking about it and I thought well she's actually using those fathers as subway lines you know and so that then I came up with the idea of color coding all the fathers and and I even drew a map of, of you know where she could go which didn't end up in the book but I really love that creative process of coming up with ideas like that and then doing a storyboard and doing designs but then you know and then I had the whole plan for the book and I lost you know interest because I I all I had to do now was to do the illustrations which I already had figured out you know I had already done the the designs I had already do done the color keys and it but so I couldn't really diverse from that anymore and so that's that's the hard part for me and and so I, I think I need to find a way to to uh, let enough uh, space, room in there to, to stay creative in that process as well. Haven't found a way yet. <laughs> but uh, that's for me is always challenging. And I think that's where I, I figured, well, maybe I am the explorer because I'm so much in love with that uh, process of creativity where, where anything can happen. Uh, and I think that's why I love character design so much because I'm always at the very beginning of a, uh, working at the very beginning of a movie when there's you know there's not even a, a full script and we're, we're just in there with a team figuring out who these characters are and so uh, you know my mind can wander and I can come up with ideas for that and seeing a healthy balance between the two making sure that you have structure you have a plan but also like you said giving yourself that space to breathe to breathe creatively 
I think that that's where I found the most joy in my creativity as well. Yeah. Right. You've been working on illustrating, illustrating books, doing magazines, doing educational books um, for a little bit. And then you start to discover character design and your career, your profession takes a little bit of a turn. What happened there? What led to that discovery? I think it was the recession. Um, The magazines I worked for stopped calling me. uh, And I I just uh, found out that I had to find something new to, to make a living. And at that same in that same period, uh, I saw the book, uh, The Art of Monsters, Inc. The movie had just come out then, and this was the first time I saw an art of book. I had never seen anything like it, um, and especially, you know, the, the, the loose sketches that, the, that, I, that were in there. I think there were some uh, designs by Nico Marley, and just fell in love with that it, because it, it had so much joy in it and, and so much uh, exploration and, and fun. I thought, this is what I want to do. But at the same time, I I was here in the Netherlands. Uh, again, you know, the internet wasn't as big as it is now. So it wasn't that common to, to connect with everyone around the world. It, you know, there was internet, but more, f- you know, to send someone an email or, or something. Um, and... Uh, so what I did was, you know, again, I, I set challenges for myself. So I used the, the children's book I was working on uh, and just pretended that this was a movie I was working on and started doing uh, character designs for, for that book. And, and this is something I would always do. But now I was doing it, w- it with the idea in mind, you know, what if this w- was a movie? And I had no reference other than that book, so I didn't actually know what what character design was more than what I could come up with. Uh, but uh, it was uh, I, I started posting these and showing these, and then uh, in the Netherlands they were doing uh, a movie, uh, a two D animated movie, and they they asked me to to do some character designs for that movie. So that was first time I actually got to work on a, on a film and uh, I didn't know as much about character design at the time but uh, it was nice because they did and so I learned from them and um, you know this led to another project in Germany uh, which was directed by Harold Sieperman who is the designer of uh, one of the character designers on uh, the Tarzan movie, the Disney Tarzan movie. So now I was getting closer to what I wanted. And and, uh, I worked with him. Uh, Germany is is not as far as as America. So I I went to Germany and worked with him for a couple of weeks. And he, you know, he told me that because he he worked at Disney uh, at the time or not at the time, but before that. So he could tell me, you know, how these movies were made and, and uh, you know what you need to do as a character designer what's important um, so I learned a lot from that period and uh, uh, shortly after that I learned that uh, Peter de Sav, uh character designer was coming to the Netherlands for, to to uh, do a lecture or to and and so I went there and uh, and I, and I I just uh, started asking questions, you know, uh, how do I, I want to break into the industry, how do you do this? And uh, uh, he, he answered all the questions I had and he looked at my work and he said, well, first of all, when I look at your work, th- this is beautiful work, but I see a lot of caricatures and paintings. If you want to do character design, what you should put in your portfolio should look like something that could be used by a by a studio something they are looking for if you uh, if there is a big gap between what you know in your mind you can do and what they need they are not going to make that leap you know even if if your work is really good and you are absolutely sure that this is what you can do uh, you know they are paying money for something that doesn't exist yet so they want to see in your portfolio you know I can trust this 
person to do the work because I can already see that he's doing this and I don't have to imagine that you know he could maybe also do something like this so that's the first thing I, I started doing you know uh, changing my portfolio and, and he also said uh, that at the time they were starting this new event uh, called CTN uh, and uh, and he said I should go there go there and and show my portfolio there and so that's what I did um, and uh, it was really amazing because uh, I saw so many of the people that I had known online and uh, I, I was just blown away by by so many creative people in, in one building and uh, you know I, I stood in line everywhere showing my work uh, meeting people uh, you know giving them business cards and, and stuff and then uh, well it's, you know I went there the year after again and the year after again because it's not like when you go there suddenly now everyone's going to hire you but one thing led to the next so uh, you know you you have one opportunity and then you know from that you you can put that in your portfolio and they can see oh he actually worked and then uh, you know things start to to grow and uh, eventually you know I'm here now and uh, you know things are, are always moving it's not like there is a, a finish line and, and once you're there you're there uh, but I'm really happy uh, where I am at the moment CTN is a animation expo in Burbank, right? Yes. Was that your first time coming to America? Uh, I had been in in America before, but that was the first time uh, professionally for for work. Yeah, professionally yes. for work. What was that experience like coming and meeting so many people from so many different places? That was just amazing. You know, I I really f felt like I had found my tribe. <laughs> really, really cool so true we spend so many hours behind a desk or <laughs> yeah. on a drawing board yes and and also <laughs> it's like wait other people exactly but not just other people but also other people who drew you know i i went to high school and even though i was always the the kid who would draw for the school newspaper and and everyone knew i could draw and stuff there was nobody else who did and i was always kind of weird because I, I was, you know, I, I remember so vividly that uh, moment where, you know, when I was a kid, I used to bring uh, my friends home and, and we would, uh, you know, grab some papers and, and pencils and let's draw. And then at a certain age, you know, the other guys were like, what are you going to draw? That's for kids. And, and I was still excited. And I was still drawing, you know, I, I remember that moment so well. And, you know, there were no teachers in school who 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 recognized it or, or you know so uh and and it's it i'm not being uh, sad here or or you know it, it's so it's all good but then suddenly to be in a place where where there are all these people who you know you don't have to explain what you're talking about when you're talking about you know uh whatever drawing or animation or or sketching or or the subtleties you see in a painting and you say oh you see that that difference in value wow that's so cool and and you don't have to explain it but some somebody really gets it you know that is just wonderful found your tribe exactly what project do you have most on your mind currently what are you working on right now that's really taking up a lot of that creative space um, well I can't really talk about that uh, uh -oh. <laughs> but um, I'm uh, at the moment I'm working uh, for Skydance um, and I'm I'm working on a movie uh, that's basically all I can say about that uh, and well and we're excited to see it when it does come out yeah me too um, but uh, I always try to uh, to spend time on my personal work as well and at the moment I'm just really busy with this project so um, I I have learned that you know there are always these periods when things are really busy and when when there's more time f for for my own stuff so uh, I I know that I can uh, you know it's it's like an itch I need to scratch if I don't draw for myself I I, I, I physically start to feel bad so but I have learned that this can also be, you know, just 
10 minutes of, of sketching and, and uh, just for me. Um, and then also I, uh, I spent time every day doing warm-up sketches and, and anatomy drawing just to, uh, you know, it's, it's like the, the warm-up uh, an athlete does. Uh, what's the combination? It's warm-up and it's study. Uh, and, you know, if you do these things on a daily basis, even if it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes, uh, if you do it every day, then over the long haul, you, you, you are really studying a lot and you, you, uh, you keep that knowledge fresh in your, in your, in your system. So that's how I try to do it. And, and, you know, when things are slower, I can spend more time on, on my own stuff. Uh, so that's, that's how I try to, uh, to keep that in balance. Although you can't share with us exactly what you're working on right now, what are you looking forward to in the future? Well, it's, uh, I think I, it's not something that specific for me uh, in terms of a project. Uh, uh, when, I, when I get a project, I, I read it and I, I try to, you know, I just try to feel, do I get excited about this? Because I think that's really important. Uh, I don't want to, well, and, and that is if I have the, the luxury of, of doing so. You know, sometimes you just have to take whatever you can. But uh, if I can, I want, uh, and I, I try to do this even if I feel I, I cannot. Because I have said no to projects even in uh, moments where I didn't feel I, I could financially maybe, but I... Uh, I really want to work on stuff I believe in uh, because I uh, I think well it works both ways I, I I'm I am having much more fun but I also uh, deliver much better work if I do so so uh, and and also that work gets seen so next time you will get asked for for that so I think that is something uh, that's really important for me at least to get to that place where I feel the happiest and, and do my best work. Um, uh, but sometimes that is that is challenging because you have to say no to something that might have some um, elements that, you know, maybe there are some big names involved or, or uh, you know, and that might, sometimes those are things that might look like they're really cool. But if you don't feel, you know, in inside that you're really excited um, then I think it's for me I think it's, it's better to to look for the next thing that that is exciting um, I uh, I think my goals for the future have more to do with my personal development rather than a specific project that I would like to work on uh, maybe it's because of that way of selecting the projects I, I want to work on because I always try to look for projects that I'm excited about and so my goals are th I think more um, have to do more with my personal work where I want to uh, work on on paintings uh, basically what I just described you know that way of interpreting reality and exploring that way of, of drawing and painting um, that is something that I'm I'm really excited about, and uh, you know, when I have more time, that is what I probably will will do. And it's all about time. Yes, art is such a time-intensive thing, and so it's hard to find the time to commit to this project or that project. Yeah, well, the, the you know, I love to paint, but I, I the thing about painting is that it is so addictive. You know, it's like a rabbit hole. If I take a brush and I put it on the canvas I stop caring about everything else so you know it, and and that's not a good thing when you you have to work on a project for a for a client and I just can't help myself but I I, I just need, need to paint so I, I, I usually paint in between projects because it's it's so hard for me to to balance that it's either I I go in completely or I don't do it and, and just, you know, do sketches or, or little things. Sometimes you have to hold yourself back. Yeah. Um, it's not easy to keep morale up as an artist. 
There's a lot of emotions that go into our art. There's a lot of our personality that does too. And sometimes that can weigh heavy on an artist. How do you personally um, keep your spirits up and your mind in the correct place to stay creative when you start to have doubt mm. set in? In general, I think I'm, I'm really lucky because I have a, a mind that in, is usually very positive. Uh, and I know that there are people who, uh, with the best intentions, just are not able to to stay happy. You know, it, d- depression is a, is a serious thing. That is not someone's fault, but is, is something that can really get in the way of, of enjoying life even. Uh, I am lucky not to, to experience that. Um, even my, my lows are still... I, I still realize that it's it's just me uh, having a problem with a drawing and that's it and and so it, it I'm lucky that it doesn't go that deep but still it can be uh, a thing that is uh, annoying or, or it gets in the way of, of, of moving on um, I think for me uh, I uh, I don't often uh, look back I don't often uh, enjoy the things that I have accomplished. So even you know, uh, in the past, when a children's book got published, the you know publisher would send me a copy, copy or anything, and you know, uh, I think it would be normal to you know to uh, to take that moment and, and you know uh, uh, have a drink and 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 celebrate that this book came out. And I, I'm I'm always uh, uh, you know working on the next thing, and and I I like to learn so much but the the uh, downside of that is that I don't look back and I always feel like there's so much to learn and so I always feel like that uh, I, I, I'm not capable yet and so um, I think well a I, I thing that I that I do to uh, to get away from that is it's just to step back and to you know to go for a walk or to make music or to you know to play basketball or to go uh, and meet a friend or, or something like that take my mind off things because in most cases that is enough to to see that this problem isn't as big as it feels at that moment um, another thing you know even within drawing uh, is I try to separate uh, what I'm doing you know is it a project I'm working on am I learning something studying uh, or is this relaxation those are three completely different things and sometimes when you are drawing those can uh, uh, get mixed up and it's sometimes it's really helpful to realize wait a minute I'm doing a study here so this doesn't have to be a beautiful drawing I'm just trying to figure out how does this work and so I can just be free and and know that you know I'm not trying to create a, a, a piece of art here I'm just trying to understand where that muscle you know originates and uh, um, or you know this is a project so I'm you know I'm trying to uh, create a series of things here so I don't have to try all these things I, I have set the rules for this series of paintings and I I just I don't I, I only have to use blue paint for this for this thing so uh, those can also be things that help you know and and especially you know if, if it's for uh, relaxation I don't have to care at all you know I can just do whatever I want I I can uh, Actually, there was a, a period when I used to uh, go to life drawing a lot, uh, and at that time, I really got stuck uh, in terms of uh, pressure I put on myself. I think at that time, um, people started to notice my work. Uh, I, I started to get more uh, jobs, and so it started to feel, and I know this isn't, the reality but it started to feel in my mind that everything I did needed to be perfect because you know someone's going to see this and now they think I'm this great artist so I can't 
do a bad drawing because they will know that I do bad drawings and they shouldn't because I, I think that is often a difficult thing because I know that you know making mistakes or, or doing bad drawings is part of the deal to get to a good drawing but at the same time your online presence is also your business card and you want to show you know what you can do so you you don't want to mix those up you don't want a client to see the bad drawing you want them to see the good drawing so that was something I was struggling with at the time to a point where I didn't even uh, dare to to draw in my sketchbook at all and then when I went to live drawing sessions I uh, uh, I, I told myself well I, I, I do these drawings but by the end of the session it this is just for me for having fun uh, so by the end of sessions I'm throwing all my drawings away and that really liberated me because it wasn't about the result it was just about the moment of drawing and having fun and uh, that really got me out of that that problem because you know actually the the, the most the best drawings the best especially in my personal work uh, because that's more uh, organic than than uh, working for clients where I'm really working towards a goal but even there I uh, I, I uh, deliberately do things where I don't know the outcome because that you know probably you know sometimes a drawing will fail because of that but also it will give you happy accidents and it's it's not so much about the the fact that it's wrong or that it fails it's more about how do you uh, react to that failure and how do you guide that to something new and very often that is a result that is is much cooler than what you would have come up with because what you can come up with is already in your mind and if that's just it you would come up with the same thing over and over again so you need to you know allow for for some spontaneity or some happy accidents in the process learning to love your happy accidents yes. is such a vulnerable position to put yourself in yes it's very humbling but then you find avenues that you never knew even existed and you explore styles and opportunities that you didn't know were there. Um, this is something that a lot of artists still need to learn about themselves is being comfortable failing and failing for yourself, not failing for others and not succeeding for others, but failing for yourself. Uh, earlier I mentioned Peter DeSav. Uh, I saw him yes. once because I, I sometimes uh, teach workshops also. And, and when you're on a stage, or you're drawing in front of people, especially then you, you want to uh, show how it's done. You don't want to fail. And so the pressure is on. And, uh, and I saw him once uh, on stage doing a drawing. And with every line, he would just speak out his inner dialogue. Like, oh, this didn't come out the way I wanted. Oh, no, what's happening? Oh, no. And it was really, uh, I think for himself, probably liberating but it was freeing to see also because you know everyone recognizes that you, you know and uh, also I think all of us know that uh, it's not a magic trick you, you know when you draw it's not like I can draw so I'm drawing this now it's it's a process that requires focus and attention and uh, and love and you and you need to have that uh, reflection also you know you, you do something and you look at it and and you you see well I need to change this you know need to get rid of this uh, you know need more contrast there and it's not like something that you own it's more like uh, um, how do you say this it, it's more like a, a language maybe or uh, something that you can latch on to and be a part of and and you know take uh, like almost maybe it's it's you can compare it like like nature you know when, when you walk in the forest and there's there's some fruit there you know or, or, or in, a, in a garden maybe you were the one who watered the plants and now there are apples on the tree and you can you can take them and eat them but that's not a given you know you need to to foster that that tree and 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 take care of it and uh, I think it's the same with drawing. It's not like I can draw, so 
here you know i'm a gardener so i i'm, I'm putting a, a a tree here and here's an apple you know you have to spend time with that and and uh, harness it and uh so i think it's it's also and it's funny because we all know that but at the same time we all get nervous when we have to draw in front of people because then suddenly we change to that modus where we have to perform we have to show this is you know i can do this at once and and we don't allow for that uh, reflection or the, those failures. So I think that's interesting. So schoolism, what, what is schoolism? How did it come about and what's your part in it? Schoolism is an online art school founded by Bobby Chu, um, who is a, an artist himself, but he is also uh, someone who, who founded schoolism and uh, it's a, a place where you can, uh, it's an online school and it has the the great thing about schoolism is that it has teachers who work in the industry so some of my personal heroes are a teacher there and uh, when you subscribe to schoolism what I like about it is that you get access to all the courses it, and so uh, that means I, I don't even know how many there are 30, 30 courses or something and there's a I teach uh, expressive characters and conceptual characters so that one course has to do with the expressiveness you know how, how bringing dynamics to your character design bringing your characters to life basically and the other course has to do with coming up with the concepts for your characters and I think in character design you need both you need the technique to to be able to execute your your ideas but then also I have a workout course that uh, is something you do uh, at your own pace and I uh, actually it's uh, nine weeks and every day uh, you draw along with me uh, in a video uh, and and I also have a painting workout course there so there's a lot of uh, uh, flavors <laughs> I have to offer there uh, and one thing I need to mention is uh, because I think that's what makes it special is that there is also an option where you get one-on-one -on -one critiqued sessions so um, each uh, course has the well not each course some courses are just by subscription only but uh, the expressive characters course has the option of one-on-one uh, -on -one. so every week you turn in the homework and I do a feedback video uh, of your homework uh, which is, is a more personal uh, experience <laughs> I think so yes it's uh, I, I really like teaching there and uh, I, I have the feeling that people really uh, uh, appreciate the the courses that are there because they're they're really uh, in general focused on uh, movie and game industry uh, types of courses so it's almost like a hyper specialized master class for artists yes absolutely yes and then uh, but, and spread over nine weeks in most cases with that one-on-one -on -one as well that's yes. probably the most valuable part of it where you get to that you as the student will have that opportunity to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction yes which absolutely. is exactly where you're going to get the coaching and the help that you need to succeed and grow I bet there's a lot of advice that you could give the aspiring artist that's listening right now. But what is one piece of advice that you find valuable enough that we need to hear from you today? Yes, I, I've been thinking about this, and that's uh, there's uh, as you mentioned a lot that that I could say. I, I um, often also people ask me the question, uh, what would the advice be? that you would give to a younger version of yourself and I for years I never had a an answer to that because I always thought um, well I I always did the best thing I, I thought you know the thing I thought was the best thing and if I made mistakes they helped me develop to where I am right now uh, but I think uh, now that if I could give myself advice uh, I would say to myself that this is not a competition. I think I, I've wasted a lot of time thinking that I needed to be the best in a world where it's about b 
being the best version of yourself and 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 you know i think a lot of people especially online now where you can see so many artists uh doing incredible work and it's easy to you know either to get inspired or to get demotivated by it because it's so good and so much of it but if you just you don't have to compare yourself with with others you know it's it has nothing to do with you what someone else is doing and so uh, if you see other work that inspires you you know be inspired by it but if if it doesn't do that step away from it and focus on your own process look at your previous drawing see how you are you know, how you have already grown or how you can grow you know based on your last work because it's the only thing you can do is take your next step you can't skip any steps and so there you will see that you are growing and you you know you're developing your own voice your own style and um, so it's not a competition and and i think that that would be the advice i would give wonderful well hey thank you so much for coming on to the show for sharing your wisdom with us and inspiring us to be better where can we see more of your work where can we support you more um i think it's, it's mostly on my instagram it's about tulp and uh i'm on facebook and my website uh, but i think the most uh living uh <laughs> how do you say this uh, <laughs> the the, the I, I post mostly on on instagram wonderful and we'll link all of those below but thank you so much you're welcome thank you that's our show for this week if you liked what you heard and want to learn more about art creativity the inktober challenge or the artists that you've just heard from head over to our instagram at inktober or visit our website at inktober.com and also be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on future conversations a big thanks to our founder jake parker as well as alex southworth for the music but most importantly, a big thanks to you. We're always grateful for the stories that you share through your art. Again, my name is Keaton Harris, reminding you to stay creative, stay mindful, and have a wonderful week.